Welcome back to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. It is your favorite Horn Toad, Andrew Zimmel, coming to you as we go through another week of preseason. We are only two weeks away from kickoff of the 2023 college football season. Before we get into all of the fun stuff we got to talk about, of course, we're wrapping up our positional previews, the defense, saving the best for last, a couple more award nominations for one of those defensive players. The AP polls came out, and breaking news today, the day we're recording this, SMU and TCU's potential ending of the rivalry. We'll get into all of that, but first, got to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get it, whether that be on Spotify, whether that be on Apple Music or Stitcher, wherever you get the podcast. All we ask you to do is please continue to help the podcast grow by subscribing, rating, and review. You help us climb up the charts. College football season right around the corner, so I know there's going to be an influx of fans. Until then, though, help us build that fan base by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. And summer's wrapping up, but that does not mean that the giveaway is win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. A rating and review on iTunes, screenshot it, Send it to the big boss, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and uh, you win a free koozie. Because even though the summer's wrapping up, you're going to want to keep those beers cold or beverages cold wherever you're drinking them, however you're drinking them throughout your college football season. All right, let's get into it. we got to talk about SMU and TCU because news broke earlier today. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. News broke earlier today that TCU indefinitely pausing its series with SMU. Brett Murphy uh, broke that news earlier today and uh, for Action Network. So pausing, big difference between canceling, right? Canceling means we're not coming back to this. Pausing means that if what we want to have happen, maybe our plans, if those plans change, we will be coming, we will be revisiting this. I am not happy about this news. I don't think a lot of TCU fans are happy about this news. It's a nice regional rivalry. We talked about it last week that the reason that college football is so much special, why why college football means so much to so many of us, whether it be in the state of Texas or nationally. The reason it's so cool, the reason we enjoy it is the regional rivalries. We like to go to work and have somebody that went to the state school and have a week of hate, right? We like going as a uh, TCU fan to give the SMU guy in the office a little bit of grief. I like being able to give my friends grief if they're a Penn State fan and I root for the Buckeyes or an Auburn fan rooting against Alabama, right? You like those regional rivalries. That's why the addition of Utah and BYU makes so much sense to the Big 12 because we get that regional rivalry. We get that holy war in conference, in the Big 12. It's going to make the Big 12 better. It's going to make college football better now that those teams are in the same conference. That's why we like it. So to get rid of this uh, rivalry game with SMU, or to quote, pause it after the 2025 season, it doesn't necessarily make me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Here's a couple stats for you nerds. The game has been played for over 100 years. 1915 was the first time. It's the 102nd installment during this season. TCU, of course, holds a 52-42-7 overall record against SMU since the inception a year ago. Here is the rest of the TCU out-of-conference schedule. So they have a home-and-home series concluding against Colorado in 2023. The Buffalo, they're joining the Big 12, so that will be a probably yearly occurrence at this point, even though the conference is much larger. 
I imagine Colorado will stay on the schedule for TCU, especially when you consider how close it is regionally compared to some of those schools further out west, the Utahs, the BYUs of the world. The Horn Frogs will have a two-home-and-home non-conference set against Stanford and North Carolina. Interestingly enough, Stanford, one of the four remaining teams in the Pac-12. North Carolina, of course, an ACC team. I wonder if Mac Brown will still be coaching at that point. Uh, they have a trip to the road trip to the Cardinals in 2024 before taking on the Tar Heels in 2025. TCU will host Carolina in 26 and Stanford in 27. So think about that. 24, they go on the road to travel to the Tar Heels. 25, they go to Stanford. Then they have a year 26. North Carolina comes to town. 27, Stanford comes to town. Before playing, beginning the decade, 2030, with a home game against Purdue. Now, immediately speculation began around TCU getting rid of SMU off the schedule. We will start with the positives for TCU. The idea currently is, well, let's do three. I want to I want to hit three things here. The first thing is TCU's potential replacement for SMU. There is a chance here, and a couple of people in Austin have talked about this. A couple of people in uh, Fort Worth have talked about this. I will talk about it as well. There's a potential here that Texas, University of Texas, leaving the Big 12 after this season, looks at the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and says, we want to have another game there. We have the Red River shootout, the Red River rivalry, whatever you want to call it, uh, against OU. We have that game in town at the state uh, fairgrounds. We want another game in that area to make it easier to recruit a hotbed for some of the best talent, not only in the state, but in the nation. We want to have another game there, a home game against TCU every other year, a rivalry game potentially with the Horned Frogs, would make sense for UT to be considering. Now, the SEC... The best conference in college football. I don't think any of us are going to disagree with that. Having a game in the in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, if you're Texas, makes sense. Put it that way. TCU, though, does it make sense to play Texas every year? Outside of it being another game in the state, but you already have those in the Baylors, the Texas Techs of the world. You already play teams in the state. SMU, shoot, across the street, in the state. Why would a game against UT make sense outside of potentially revenue outside of potentially having this game on television every year and a chance to recruit Austin TCU. It doesn't, I I personally do not think it makes a ton of sense for TCU to be calling Texas. I think it makes more sense for Texas to be calling TCU. So for that to be the reason that TCU takes SMU, a historic rival off the schedule, it makes me scratch my head a little bit. Now, I'm going to trust the athletic department and say that there's going to be more going into this than just the potential playing Texas. Maybe you get SMU off the schedule as a non-conference game, knowing that the Big 12 is so much larger than it was a year ago, much larger than it was four months ago. Knowing that you're going to have all these in-conference games against very good opponents, maybe you think to yourself, if you're TCU, we're going to take a step back and take the SEC route of things. I want to be able to schedule a group of five teams. I want to be able to schedule maybe lesser opponents, maybe those pay games, so that I'm not having to play a team like SMU, who's been on the rise over the past decade. I don't want to have to play them and then also have to play my conference schedule. That's going to be really tough. Now, I'd like to think that TCU doesn't have that on the table either. SMU 
Let's see. Why would they step out of this? Why would SMU potentially pause this rivalry? Because while TCU is the one that announced the pausing, I imagine if SMU really pushed, they might be able to get this done. Why would SMU pause it? Well, there's a potential that the AAC member is thinking about joining the ACC. It's been rumored over there. They joined the likes of Clemson, Florida State, Miami. Make that conference a little bit stronger with a brand in the state of Texas. Media markets, do they really matter anymore? Not really. Not in the way that they used to in the early 2000s or the 2010s. Where your games are played, what media markets are in what media market. I don't, I don't think that matters as much anymore. But SMU is a legacy brand. SMU is a brand that people around the country recognize thanks to the old Southwestern Conference days. So I look at it this way. I think that TCU, and well, let, let's say this. Last thing, this is the furthest one out, but I, I'm not going to discredit it entirely. The way that the Big 12 has expanded over the past four months, <laughs> the past four weeks, there's a chance SMU is a team that could join this conference. Now, I don't know if TC would love that. I don't think that the Big 12 necessarily would hate it. I don't think they would hate another regional rival in the conference, which would make sense why you pause your out-of-conference schedule because you know the SMU potentially could be on the schedule every single season. Just one more thing to think about. Now, I hate this. I hope that TCU and SMU can come back to play each other. I liked having a regional rival, even if it was a non-conference game. I loved the Texas A&M game. That ending a decade ago, thankfully it's coming back because both teams are now in the SEC. I like those games. I like it when two teams that have rivalry, that have history, face off against each other. I like when West Virginia and Pitt play. That's a non-conference game for those two squads. I like that. So to have the iron skillet potentially be on the back burner, paused indefinitely, it does not make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. In fact, I don't I don't like it. And I, I will hope that this game comes back because I think it adds a lot to the TCU fandom experience. I think it adds a lot to the, the schedule as well. All right, defense, defense, defense. It wins championships. Just ask the Georgia Bulldogs. Maybe that was a little too soon. They bring back a lot more of experience than some other teams in the Big 12. TCU's defense last year was not exactly one that you would write home about. It was the offense that got most of the job done, did most of the work. They lose big names. Traverius Hodges-Tomlinson, uh, Dylan Horton, Dee Winters, all guys departing for the NFL. Uh, the Horn Frogs, they've got a ton of talent, though, and a lot of preseason all-conference considerations up front. It's going to be Dominic Williams, the lone returning starter in the trenches. He was named the preseason All-Big 12. Uh, contrary to some years past, they have a lot of size. All three projected starters are at least six foot two, 310 pounds. Uh, Timmy Mitchell was a 2022 Georgia transfer. He's projected to start defensive end alongside true freshman Marcus Deal. They have a lot of young talent. That's saying something for this TCU team that just a year ago was working with uh, some upperclassmen. They were working with a lot of experience, especially on the backside of things. The defense worked last year for TCU. It worked against Michigan. It worked against teams like Kansas State. The only time the defense did not work was when they played Georgia in the national championship game. The reason it didn't work against Georgia is because that was an NFL team. <laughs> okay, And I think most of us knew that coming in. I said it coming in that Georgia is going to be the most talented team 
But that's taking off all of the other stuff, taking off all of the play calling by Kirby Smart, taking off all of the experience that Stetson Bennett had, just going off of raw talent. I was like, Georgia's got a lot of it. Georgia has it in spades. What is that going to look like? And, of course, the TCU defense struggled against the Bulldogs. Makes sense. Team captain Johnny Hodges uh, remains the headline in the linebacker core, so does uh, Jamani Hodge. Those two paired with uh, Mark Perry, they combined for almost 300 tackles last season, and all three are returning. So the linebacker core comes back intact. So up front, let's go through it. So you think up front, linebackers, secondary. Up front, B minus, linebackers, B plus. And then, of course, we got to talk about one of the best corners in the country. It's Josh Newton. He was the Robin to Hodge Tomlinson's Batman last season. I like to think more of it as Batman and Superman, and we get Batman, right? I, I'd like to think the Batman's returning. Uh, he posted numbers that were pretty damn good. Newton allowed a four point or a 43.4 QBR when targeted. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, he was one of the best in the country. Pro Football Focus, I'm not exactly the biggest fan of them. Uh, they always seem to have my teams on the wrong side of those numbers. But in this case, in this case, a rarity. Looks like Josh Newman uh, is getting his respect. So then you talk about the defensive coordinator, Joseph Gillespie, who has patented this 3-3-5 defense. Uh, who has put a ton of defensive backs on the field. You look at what the conference is this season, and nobody can shut up about Texas and their wide receiving core. So I'd like to imagine if TCU's Super Bowl, quote-unquote, is against the University of Texas this season, because it feels like every team is thinking about Texas as a way to kick them out the door. I listen to a bunch of the other Big 12 podcasts uh, on the network and off the network, and it seems like nobody can stop talking about the University of Texas. I try to stay away from it as much as I can on this podcast, and they still come up. Mostly because they dominate the national conversation. I truly believe, and we're going to get into the AP topic here in a minute, the AP polls in a minute, but I truly believe that this is the easiest pick up, the easiest prop them up to knock them down in college football. I don't think there's been an easier one. I think Michigan was this for a long time for people. I think that a couple years ago it was Nebraska. When they joined the Big Ten, prop them up to knock them down. Texas is in the prop them up to knock them down uh, sweepstakes this year because everybody has them way higher than they should be, and everybody's talking about them as they're some sort of team that's going to win the college football playoffs. A team that could make the college football playoffs is seems foreign to me. I went through it. Texas has lost the Big 12 the exact same amount of times as they've won it three times. Here's another thing. They've lost the Big 12 championship more times than every other team. They've lost the Big 12 championship more times than every other team. It's hard to believe. So Joseph Gillespie, he didn't not. Did not return in a top 20 defensive unit, but TCU's offensive pace made it difficult in the first place last year. I expect the Horned Frogs to improve from 60th last year uh, to higher, mostly because the offense is not going to be running up and down the field. The defense will have more of a chance, I think, to catch their breath on the sidelines. 
An improvement defensively only helps the team. Their talented secondary matches up with every receiving unit in the conference outside of maybe the University of Texas. But even then, I don't put a ton of stock in that. I just don't. I think the TCU's defense is going to be very good this year. The secondary, I'm giving them an A- minus for what they return. And we'll get to Josh Newman in a minute here as he adds another preseason award list to the belt. I have a new opinion on preseason awards. Well, I'm going to talk about that in a moment as well. But I give the secondary an A-. minus. You average all those grades together, you're looking at about a 3-3, which is almost a 3-5, which is almost a 4.0. So we almost have an A-plus offense, or a correction, an A-plus defense to go along with an A offense. I think it's pretty solid. I think this is a great group. TCU, man, every week I come on this podcast and I tell you fans, I tell you guys who, who bleed purple and white that they're getting overlooked. They are getting overlooked. And the defense this season comes back better than they were last year with a defensive coordinator that has another year under his belt of going up against these Big 12 offenses. And if he was able to contain Kansas State last year, why in the world would I think that he wouldn't be able to contain Texas this year? So I'm going with TCU's defense being the best unit on the team. I think that that's saying something, considering that uh, – the offense is going to be really good, too. So, let's get into it. The TCU's uh, most decorated preseason award. It's Josh Newman. Uh, he's selected on the Chuck Bednark Award, presented annually to the nation's most outstanding defensive player. He was first-team All-Big 12, his first season with the uh, Horn Frogs in 2022. Uh, he was a key to TCU playing in the college football playoffs and playing in the national championship last year. Pro Football Focus, they have him graded at an 81.9, and he's the best TCU cornerback last season, according to PFF. They also had him fourth among Power 5 corners with a 35.3% completion allowed, which is third best for Power 5 corners and in the per wins above metric. All right, I'm going to have to read that like a normal person. Okay, that was the nerd. That was a little bit too much numbery. That was too heavy on the numbers. Let me read it to you as a as a guy. All right, here it is. Josh Newman is a baller. He's a dog. He's going to get the job done. There it is. He also appeared on watch list for Paycom, Jim Thorpe Award, uh, a bunch of other ones, the Lot Impact Trophy. Oh, essentially every defensive award, every defensive cornerback award that you can uh, you can be on. He's on that. But here's my thing about preseason awards. This is the opinion that I have developed now. Because the postseason award lists, before the season even begins, are kind of feeling worthless to me. I understand they get the fans excited. They get me excited. They give me something to talk about. I'm kind of done with it. And I think maybe it's because the season's so close, because I can like smell it, I can taste it, I can see it, I can feel it, that we are so close to getting football back that these preseason awards kind of just feel empty. The empty calories to me at this point. I want football. I want to see what these guys actually can do. I want to see if they live up to the hype. For a guy like Josh Newman, I, I just joked about Texas being the biggest prop him up to knock him down ever. You get out too many of these preseason awards, I don't think it's going to go to his head, but it could go to somebody's head. If you gave me a bunch of awards before the college football season began for best podcaster. This is the best podcaster in college football. This is the best podcaster in, in sports. Best podcaster in Texas. I'd say shout out Joe Rogan. But also, I would say to myself, 
you know, how much prep work do I need to do? If I'm already this good, if people already think I'm this good, how much prep work do I need to do? How much excitement do I need to put in the in the craft? It could go to your head, is my point. I'm hoping it doesn't, but these preseason awards are starting to kind of rack up, and I'm starting to care less and less about them. Postseason awards, you want to give Sonny Dykes 14 more Coach of the Year awards? Be my guest. Be my guest. I'll take those every day. However, at the end of the day, I will trade all that in. I will trade all the Big 12 Player of the Years, Big 12 All-Conference, Coach of the Year, uh, Heisman. I will trade all of that in, all those awards for a national championship. If TCU wins a national championship, I do not care if they go unrecognized in every award category. The coach goes unrecognized in every award category. If they bring back a national championship, that's all I care about. All right. Finally, speaking of national championships, the AP voters once again disrespecting Texas Christian University, TCU. Third in the conference behind Texas and Kansas State, AP voters put TCU at number 17. The AP poll has become a TV marketing tool. It has become a tool of ESPN, of Fox Sports, of the Big Ten Network, of all these different networks, all these different channels. They are a pawn in the streaming game. They do not matter anymore. We are done with the preseason AP poll. It's dead. It rang its bell. You can call it. 08-16-23. Put it on the tombstone. The AP preseason does not matter anymore. Because it's like, what did we? what is it for? Why are you putting us at 17 and putting Texas and Notre Dame and Kansas State ahead of us? College football season begins the 26th of August, which is this month, coming up very soon. And then, of course, kickoff against Colorado is September 2nd. Next week, we will have more for you. We will break down uh, the last week of the preseason. We will talk a little bit about what we can expect coming into this year. Of course, we will hit all of your TCU news and notes. And I'm just really depressed because of the SMU news. I really am. I'm gonna ra- I don't want to wrap it up on a sad note. I want to wrap it up on a happy note. I don't want to wrap it up on the AP voters disrespecting TCU. I don't want to I want to we you know here here's how we're going to wrap it up. Here's how we're going to finish the show this week. We're going to talk about Sonny Dykes cuz that's one of my favorite humans ever. Sonny Dykes had his post practice press conference. Say that 10 times fast. The post practice press conference. And he was telling the media, telling the fans about how well this team is put together. And I truly believe that with TCU's Ability, TCU's ability to dominate on the field, that this is going to be one of those seasons that at the end of the year, when they do the championship DVD, we can honestly say that nobody believed in us. Nobody bet on us. This is the last year that's going to happen, though, folks. TCU is going to shock the world this year. They're going to win a ton of games. I haven't given my official game-by-game prediction just yet. That will happen next week. They're going to win a bunch of games. They're going to surprise a lot of people. And next year, they're going to be a preseason top 12 team. Top 10 team. Top 7 team, potentially. We'll see if they can get it done. Uh, We'll talk next week. Remember, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get our beautiful Hypnotoad podcast. Please tweet at me, at Andrew underscore Zimmel. And uh, you can win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Pete Mundo is who you send it to, Pete, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com to win your free 
Heartland College Sports Koozie. We will be back next week. Talk to you then.